0: Welcome along. It is the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday, the 11th of October. And Porrick, good morning. Good morning,
1: Deirdre. Good morning, listeners.
0: You have partially brought me my breakfast this morning.
1: I have indeed. Most it, it's
0: honey time of the year. <laughs> it is.
1: It's that time of year. And uh, the, the beekeepers are busy taking the honey crop from the bees and, and putting it into the jars. Isn't it great when you think about it? I was just thinking about that this morning, that raw honey is never processed It's exactly, it's just extracted from the beehives. It's exactly what the bees have produced. Mm -hmm. We have added nothing to it. It hasn't been heated in any way or no chemicals added, no preservatives added. And honey is the natural product that comes directly from the beehive. So the bees have produced this and human hand has has added nothing to it. And the great thing about honey is you'll never see bacteria growing on honey. You know, you make your pots of jam and and after a couple of months, a little bit of scum comes on, a little bit of bacteria. You'll never see that on honey because it, whatever the properties are in it, bacteria won't grow on it.
0: Okay, and maybe that's why it has those, I suppose, beneficial or almost medicinal properties Absolutely. in it as well. Absolutely, and,
1: and, and it dates back, they have tra- traced honey right back to the Egyptians and found them in the tombs. And the honey that they found thousands of years ago, uh, you know, that they found in yeah. modern days, is still edible. So I brought, I brought two types, um, a great friend of mine from Wicklow, da- Damien Devereaux, a great beekeeper, he was up with me during the week and he brought me some lovely heather honey and uh, it's in the natural comb so that's been taken and extracted straight from the beehive
0: so and heather honey then that's that's where the bees are feeding off heather just plants just heather
1: bell heather and heather can we taste heather.
0: can we taste a difference you taste you taste yeah, it there okay. you see
1: that it's got it's got a completely different taste to the
0: to the other honey so it's the, okay. kind
1: of it's it's produced just from heather and it tends to be darker in colour and richer and even there's a stronger smell of it oh, yeah. but, but a fantastic flavour from it Um, But the Mm. the real honey really that I'd be encouraging people to look for is the honey that's produced here in Mayo Mm. and in particular the Westport honey and that's tasted there because it's a mixture of...
0: So this is lighter in colour and actually the consistency is a tiny bit different as well. It is, yeah. Yeah, It's a little little runnier, shall we say.
1: Yeah, and and remember that that, that's taken straight from the beehive Mm. with no processing. Um, But it's got all the natural flowers, the white thorn, the dandelions, the clover, all the flowers that have been blooming since March right through to the end of the summer. So I was just, last week I was advocating for people to start taking Mm. honey, natural west of Ireland honey now. A, it's great for flus and and, uh, coughs and all that Mm. through the winter, but in particular, it builds up resistance to pollen, for next year. So people that are hay fever sufferers or suffer from course, pollen
0: allergies, yeah.
1: Yeah, and there was a huge amount of pollen this year with just the really warm weather. Mm. If you take natural West of Ireland honey at this time of year, you've got a mixture of all the different flowers that have been blooming since March. Where with the heather honey it's just heather. Right. Is contained in that so that's why you get the different flavor and
0: you can really you can taste the difference oh, there's it's quite complete, evident there yeah and yeah. heather
1: honey is, is lovely definitely but if you want to build up the allergies look for the the mayo honey the 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 Westport honey in particular and start taking that take it over the the winter period and you'll find that your immune system will certainly be a lot stronger going into the spring of next year and it's great for people that do suffer from from high high degrees of pollen um, yeah, which we are going to get next year. So look, they, they, I just brought it in because it's um, straight off the press. That that honey was only uh, pressed there in the last uh, couple of, of days and uh, so people will get it at this time of year because I mentioned it last spring and of course we I ran think out it just of went honey.
0: Out, yes, it ran <coughs> out the door then.
1: And we have that available in the garden centre in Turlock at the moment so if people want to pop in and have a look at it. Mm, absolutely.
0: Just, to, um, the other
1: thing I wanted to mention, Deirdre, with the with the weather getting a little bit cooler, um, I was in my dad's garden actually during the week and he has some fantastic feeders, bird feeders and we sat back for 10 minutes just watching all the goldfinches and greenfinches and huge array of birds coming into the garden at this time of year and of course this is the time of year as, as the weather gets colder the birds are going to come under a little bit of pressure it's been a great year for fruiting plants so the holly is full of berries at the moment mountain ash is full of berries, pyracantha but the birds will very quickly hoover up those uh, fruiting plants and in particular the larger birds tend to feed so thrushes blackbirds all the larger birds tend to feed on the burying plants robins goldfinches and um, tits tend to be ground feeders or right. seed feeders yes. so they're they're better uh it's it's great if people can help them out now over the winter period by putting out some wild bird feed a great seed to look for is one called niger seed okay it's a particular seed that's um it actually comes from ethiopia And it's a particular herb plant that produces the black Niger seed. But they're particularly high in oil. And they're particularly loved by goldfinches, which uh, which thankfully have been on the rise in the last number of years. And they're a beautiful bird to have in the garden. So if you when you're putting out some wild bird food, try to get a mixture of different seeds, some Niger seeds, some peanuts, some wild bird food, maybe some fat balls. Mm. So you get a, a very good broad spectrum of different birds then coming into the garden. You just won't have the blue tits or, or um, house sparrows or a limited amount. If, if, you're, if you're just feeding peanuts, you tend to get a very restricted amount right. of birds. Whereas if you go for a, a blend of different seed, you get a great variety of, um, of birds coming into the garden. And this is the time of year when when I suppose you give them a bit of a helping hand and you build up the, 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 the fats for them over the winter period. But in particular, we were encouraging children. Remember I had Any and Ilauna here in That's September. That's right, yes. And we launched a special competition for specifically for schools and particularly to encourage people to identify the wildlife that come into the school garden or indeed into their home. And that competition is running right through to the 20th of October. And all, all we ask people to do is go onto the website, hawkins.ie, download the survey form, and over a seven-day period, we want you to record the wildlife that comes into the bar- garden. So it can be birds, it can be foxes, hares, rabbits, whatever. Anything in... in, in a, comes under the wildlife category. We'll uh, we we like records on the survey sheet. Excellent. Send that back into the garden centre, and we have a special prize then for the school. And it's a complete feeding setup for the school to 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 that the children can feed the birds right through the season, right into the summer of next year. So it contains all the seed they're going to need, bird tables, complete feeding station, all the little hangers, the little feeding Brilliant. hangers. So it's a complete set.
0: Fabulous prize.
1: So that's the prize. So we would just encourage if teachers are listening or children are listening, go onto the website, Horkins.ae, you'll on the wildlife section, you'll see a survey sheet, print it off, fill it in, send it back to us, and we'll put each school then into a competition. That's going to run through to the twentieth of okay. October. So and have a closing date. And if you start feeding now, you're going to see lots of those different birds coming into the garden over the next couple of weeks.
0: Okay, so re- you really just have over a week to get that in then, because today's the 11th, so That's 20th right. of October won't be that far right. away. Time so is moving on. Yeah, so put that on the to-do list on Monday if you are a teacher or a parent listening uh, this morning. Okay, so um, we've got a good few questions in pork. We might just turn our attention uh, to those now for a few minutes. Anyway, um, hedges, hedges. Are they still growing or have they stopped? Well, people th- are wondering about trimming them it's
1: beginning to slow down and the, I was looking at the forecast last night and that we're actually promised a really great week this weekend it's going to be lovely you mm. can see it already yeah, the heat in morning. the studio already <laughs> um, and over the next couple of days we're going to have very warm days perfect gardening weather so again I'd be advocating people put the garden to bed now Continue to cut the lawn, continue to trim the lawn. If you have to reseed some patches, reseed them by all means. Hedges can be trimmed, not too severely. Don't mm. go too severe on them, but certainly tidy them up and, and bring them all back to a kind of uniform shape because by doing that, they'll stay like that until March or April of next year and they'll be nice and tidy and neat. So the likes of beech, laurel, Portuguese laurel, boxwood, all of those hedging plants can certainly be trimmed now. It's also great planting weather. So with the bit of rain that we had last weekend, the soil conditions are superb for planting. So if you are thinking of putting in new hedging plants, we're going to be coming up now to the Beirut season, which starts at the end of October, around the first week of November. So if you're interested in putting in a hedge, you could be certainly treating the area that you're thinking of planting with a bit of um, weed or something like Roundup or Weed Free 360 now on a dry day, just to kill off any grass or weeds that might be there where you would tend to plant. And then coming into the bare root season in November, it's a great time to put hedging plants, to plant them into the soil, because the roots of those plants continue to grow through the winter season. And they, f- they set the foundation then for the growth in the spring. Okay. So it's a kind of a time of year of tidying up, pruning back shrubs planting certainly planting spring bulbs all the daffodils and snowdrops and crocuses they should go into the soil now so soil is very workable at the moment if you plant spring bulbs at this time of year you'll have them flowering from Christmas right through to the spring of next year summer bedding plants particularly with the cooler nights now are going to be going over so once we get the first you know we're coming very close now to sharp frost right and And uh, we had
0: a little bit during the week well I noticed (coughs) anyway uh, one morning I think it might have been Wednesday there was a bit on the car so that you're getting a
1: bit of grass frost at the moment and and that's going to, as soon as we get um, kind of minus one the plants are going to be knocked back. So it is a good time of year to start cleaning out say hanging baskets, Mm. window boxes and replanting them then with winter colour, winter pansies, winter violas, some of the nice burying shrubs like skimmia reversiana which is lovely red berries for the winter that funnily enough the birds don't seem to like so they tend to stay on the plant for quite a long time. Galtieri is another really nice plant that buries through the winter period and it's got lovely red foliage so it's lovely again for just a spot of colour in pots and containers. So it's that sort of, the weather is going to be fantastic really for gardening and continue growth yes is still going to occur because soil temperatures are still higher than they traditionally would be at Mm -hmm. this time of year Um, so you're going to find your grass continue to grow right through October so continue to mow it make sure that you set the blades at least uh, one level up so move the blades up so you're not cutting the grass as tight as you are in the summer and the feeding of lawns should occur this time of year again put on an autumn feed it's not going to get the grass to grow but it'll get it to green it It up give a nice green colour and most of the autumn lawn Feet have a moss control as well yeah. so you're eliminating moss as well at this time of year. If you have any weeds, to kind of kill back again, as I mentioned before in the other programs, this sort uh, in autumn as the weeds are naturally dying back, if you hit them with a treatment of weed-free 360 or Resolver, one of those, you get a very good kill at this time of year, particularly right. if you're thinking about planting for next spring or even over the winter season, like I mentioned with the hmm. hedging plants or putting in new fruit trees or whatever, or sowing a new lawn. This is a good time of year to kill off any unwanted grass weeds or grass growth because they're naturally dying back and you just get a better kill. Just you, you need to obviously apply it in dry weather and make sure that it's not windy, that it's not being carried. So 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock today would be an ideal time okay great stuff so yeah I would be using using the good weather now for the next couple of days really just to get on yeah, top of
0: because it, yeah it <coughs> probably isn't going to last and we'll be sorry then we didn't yeah, and harvest take your advantage
1: fruit, fruit you know fruit has done very well this year um, so apples should be collected now and you know prune back apple trees all of those sort of jobs last week I was talking about putting on sulphate of potash onto fruit trees as well at, at this time of year that helps to build them up for next year Correct. just straight sulphate of potash applied around the base of them. so they're the sort of jobs you can be
0: doing if you haven't done anything have more specific. Um, now, spring cabbage. A listener asks, right. is there any spring cabbage at the minute that can they plant from plants now? And would you have any other suggestions, I guess, for winter veg?
1: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, particularly for listeners, say, that are digging out potatoes at the moment or harvesting the, the summer crops, you, there's a very good spring cabbage called pixie. So it's Ooh. a small dwarf, small compact variety. It's actually a great one if you've got greenhouses or tunnels and you want to put some green cabbage in there for that'll mature very quickly but take up very little space. And that particular variety, Pixie, tends not to have many outer leaves. So there's very little waste with it. So it forms a perfect cone head, like a like a, a greyhound cabbage or a um that kind of spring cone-shaped head uh, very quickly with by if you plant the plants now certainly by February of next year you'd have really nice plants. And as I say there's very little waste with them and they're ideal deal for putting close together to plant close together because um they take up very little space as the name suggests but you could also plant purple sprouting broccoli spinach any of the winter lettuce varieties uh, could be planted now a great variety called little gem which you can plant this time of year uh what else can you plant in onions so all the japanese onions garlic can be planted at this time of year so any of those lots. can be planted yeah there's lots to be
0: Okay, now we have a number of questions regarding that a perennial problem, moss, um, mm-hmm. so uh, we might just try and bring them together. Um, somebody put moss killer on lime on the lawn all summer. The lawn was very soft and spongy and they could see the brown grass underneath uh, as they were cutting it. What do they do with this now?
1: Well, that's a build-up of thatch. And that's where over over the number of years, um, naturally enough, you're cutting the lawn on a consistent basis. Bits of the grass are always falling and decomposing and you get a build-up of natural organic matter. Uh, thatch, we call it, and mm-hmm. it's exactly like that. So it means that the lawn needs a good scarifying and you can either do that with a rake, with a lawn rake, or you can hire a mechanical scarifier and it, it literally has prongs that tease all that dead grass. That's Out. what it is. Thatch is a build-up of dead grass or dead organic matter in the lawn and it gives gives you that spongy effect and it tends to add to the moss problem if you've got a lot of thatch so this time of year is actually a very good time to scarify the lawn so my advice is really just to cut the lawn now go out and hire a scarifier if it's a large area you'll get in your local tool and hire store or get a good strong lawn rake and rake out that dead grass Mm. and that'll help you can reseed any patches that are a bit bare feed it and that'll bring the lawn back and get rid of that spongy you'll find there's about an inch of spongy Mm. material and and that really should be taken out
0: okay um now uh, somebody has a large clump of lilies white lilies they're not flowering as well this year um they're wondering when should they divide them
1: you could divide them now they're the the arum lilies the um the beautiful big big white flowering lilies that come into bloom in late May, early June and carry right through. They're nearly still in flower. But this is a good time of year. So any time from now on, you simply just dig up the clumps, take the whole clump up, get a sharp spade, split it up into five or six pieces. You could cut back some of the foliage and stems of the top growth and split it up into five or six pieces and replant them. Now they do like, they're very vigorous plants so they're hungry and they do like plenty of organic matter and they like a moisture retentive soil. It's actually a plant that will grow with its feet in water. Oh. So it it borders on being a, an aquatic oh, plant, right. right up to growing in in kind of an ordinary garden soil. So where where are you replanting it? add some organic matter, farm manure, mushroom compost or good garden compost, dig that into the soil and make sure you pick a, gra- a piece of area that's not too dry because it likes plenty of moisture. It's got big leaves, big flowers, so it needs copious amounts of water during the summer period. So summer like this, particularly on dry ground, they can struggle a bit right. and fail to flower and, and go back a bit.
0: Or alternatively, if you have a wet patch, which lots of people do, then that it might be an or a good you've, option. If
1: you have a pond in the garden and you want to add, add you know, it's a great plant, it'll grow with, with six inches of water in six inch water or on the border maybe on a if there's a wet area around the pond perfect location for arum lilies it's a real tough hardy sort of an easy to grow plant
0: well, you've led directly into the next question because it's all about ponds, <laughs> Mark. Uh, any suggestions for planting an eighteen by thirteen foot pond about three quarters of a foot
1: deep? Okay, so it's a big pond. Wow, arm wow. lilies, isn't it?
0: Would they, well, is Aram, that an option? the, the
1: arm lilies would be brilliant. Again, generally, generally most of the uh, the plants you put into the actual pond itself are put into a, a plastic uh, pond pot, which has got little holes on the on the side of it, and use a good quality aquatic compost that you can buy in your local garden centre right. and generally put a layer of, of stone at the top of that to keep the soil in but the Arm lilies would be great for that and they'll grow as I said within 6 inches of water but you can also get the true lilies the aquatic lilies and they come in a whole range of different varieties that will grow from 6 inches deep in water to up to 2 feet So deep they're the ones
0: you kind of we associate the lily pad type yes, lilies? Yes, exactly, right.
1: exactly. And, and this is a good time, they're beginning to die back now but you can still introduce them into ponds. Also put in some marginals, things like irises, Lobelia cardinalis, which is a lovely red foliage plant with red flowers that will grow again in six inches of water. So you have plants that go around the edge of the pond like hostas, like the Arum lily, stillbays that love a kind of moist and retentive soil. Others then that will grow in six, seven inches of water like the Lobelia cardinalis or irises, and then the deep water aquatics like the lilies. The other good tip is to put in some uh, oxygenating plants like elodia, which is the Canadian pondweed, which excretes oxygen into the soil or into the water. Winter, yeah. And if you've if you have that, then you can start to introduce fish life again. Maybe in springtime of next year, start to induce, introduce some pond fish into the pond. But a pond of that size, you could certainly have 30 or 40 fish comfortably, more even, uh, and they will grow to a quite a quite a large size. Yes.
0: Holly tree berries—they're dropping off before they ripen. Tony has a problem with that.
1: Well, generally holly will, and the holly is fantastic everywhere at the moment, and it's colouring up lovely. It's—it's—it it's, is really produced a great crop. Um, if it gets any, if it's dry in the in the area, it'll certainly start start to drop its uh, berries prematurely and that will happen at this time of year that they'll they'll just about go to red and start to drop off once they're beginning to fall there's nothing really you can do for this year Mm -hmm. so really my advice would be to give it some of the self of potash that i mentioned for the fruit trees now this time of year and that'll build it up for next year and just keep an eye on it next summer if it fruits as well irrigate it very well because holly likes particularly when they're forming the fruit they, f- they need plenty of water and it has been quite a dry August, September.
0: Now, after planting a new heather bed with small mixed shrubs, the listener would like to keep it weed-free. Would you have any tips on how to do this?
1: It's a newly planted bed, is it? Is it is indeed. Well, if it's newly planted, I would use the, um, the membrane, the uh, Plantex material, and use something like bark then on top of it. It's probably one of the easiest ways mm. to keep it weed-free. And it's often a good idea to plant the bed, first of all, and then put the Plantix material over it. Oh! Because if you do it the other way, and funny enough, you read I
0: would have thought to go do it the other way around, but and there if you, you go, if wrong. If
1: you, if you read, no, well, if you read the instructions on the pack, that's exactly what they'll tell oh, you to right. do, is to, is to put, to it, put down it down first, first yeah. and plant through it. But the problem with that is that you're making the incisions very large because you're putting your spade down. You're bringing soil and dirt up back up onto the material. So I would always plant the bed first of all. And then put the material on top of the plants. And you're only cutting a small incision. And you can fold up the little heather underneath it and feed it through. So it's cleaner, it's easier. And the incision that you're making is the only place that weeds are going to grow in the material. So if you keep that as small as possible, then obviously you're reducing the amount of weed growth. So it's actually, I would always plant the bend first of all. And then put the Plantex material down. And then cover that with, with bark or with gravel and the heathers in time if you've closely planted will cover it over anyway in time so that's probably the easiest and best way rather than using any Spray, the other thing is, is is get obviously the garden hoe out and do a little bit of that. And again, we're getting the, <laughs> the weather over the next couple of days. Uh, you know, I would advocate people just—it's amazing what you kill off in half an hour with a good garden hoe. Okay. Um, I
0: suppose most of us are looking for an option <laughs> simple, not to have, simple, to have to do that. It's the well, alternative we're the looking for. The plantings in the
1: bark works really well yeah. for heathers, and heathers are great in that it's a great time to plant heathers at this time of year because they're going to be coming into flower now in the next couple of weeks. The winter flowering varieties flower up until March or April of next year, so. They flower for nearly seven months of the year um, and they grow in ordinary garden soil. So they're really easy, but in time they'll actually cover the soil anyway. And you'll have very, very little wheat growth in a mature heather bed. Maybe a bit of grass growth here and there, but Nothing, overall it yeah. tends to smother it anyway. Something
0: quite manageable. Yeah. Um, now, a listener has a large area to clean off. We're going to stay stay with this, kind of this theme for a second. Um, to, they have some weeds and grass, and they're wondering if they use a weed killer, will it work at this time of the year, and what would be the most suitable?
1: Well, if you're clearing off an area, say, to put in a new lawn or put in a hedge, like I mentioned at the top of the programme, or fruit trees or whatever, then first of all, you need to treat the area on a dry day. And the grass and weed should be dry so mid midday late late, late evening, evening is a good time to do it and use something like something that's um, systemic which means it enter, enters into the leaf of the plant it goes down into the root so in a large area I would use something like the weed free 360 um, or roundup would work very well at this time of year and weeds as I mentioned before are naturally dying back so if yeah. you apply now you'll get a very good within 10 days. You get a the, good kill. Yeah. And any of those treatments don't contaminate the soil. So once they hit the soil, they become neutralised so you can plant. As soon as the weeds have died, you can start planting away.
0: Great. We're going to take a quick little break. We have lots more to come though, so stay with us. And you're very welcome back. It's the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio. And uh, we'll have an update, indeed, for anybody following the (laughs) election.
1: Anybody from (laughs) Roscommon. Any of the Roscommon
0: South Leetrim listeners this morning. We'll have an update at 10 o'clock. Seamus Duke is uh, at Count Centre for us there this morning. Anyway, let's focus for another 15 minutes or so, Porik, on gardening. Yucca plants, not something. We don't always get to talk maybe about indoor plants all that much. Here is a yucca plant. It's five foot tall inside uh, and can I plant it out now, asks Bernadette. Well, do you know the plant?
1: I do. The yuccas?
0: Yeah. I would have thought that was indoor all the time.
1: Well, it's funny enough, it'll, it'll actually tolerate... Um, no, it is It is an indoor plant. First of all... It's I
0: associate gr- it with Mexico.
1: It's a great indoor plant because it's it's so easy... To grow. Yeah, and the the, the main thing that people do with, with yuccas is overwash them and kill them. Right. rot them. So they're the type of plant that likes to be kept in a tight pot... Um, you buy them as a young plant or you can buy them with larger plants but mm. over time they, produce, like they grow like a, at the outdoor light. Like. they produce a stem with that kind of uh, sword-like leaf on the top now they are indoor and frost will kill them having said that if you had a really sheltered sunny sheltered outdoor say up against a wall it would be worth trying to grow there was one of them actually in RTE outside the studio in RTE for a year in Donnybrook it may be still there but it was uh, planted out outside in a sunny location but it had an overhang of a build, a part of the building just kind of sitting over it yeah. and giving it that little bit of protection so it's the type of plant that if you wanted to risk it and the trouble is you see they get bigger and bigger and they get too big for the house so yeah, people so say well where the hell two, am i right. going to put this okay, and yeah. they generally give it away to somebody but you could try planting it out if you had a sunny uh, very free draining border maybe up against a wall that's it. Would be worth the try, right. and if, I would, you don't
0: mind possibly, if you don't mind losing a possibly there is risk it. involved.
1: Exactly. Okay. So, if if you were to move it outside, I'd pick a south-facing wall. Uh, I would dig lots of sand and grit into the soil or perlite make it very gritty because it likes that very good free draining, and and plant it out and just try it. And I would do that in April of next year. Give it; it will have the summer then to acclimatize, and then hopefully it'll go come through the winter. If we get a very very severe winter, you're going to lose the plant. Right. Okay. Now, there are outdoor yuc- yucca. uccas, I was going to say yuccas, um, yucca filamentosa, which grows perfectly fine out of doors. So you can get outdoor varieties. Right. Uh, but they grow more as a cluster or as a clump. And beautiful flowers, fantastic big white, a bit like orchid flowers. Oh, they sound lovely. Super plant, yeah, yeah. really nice. Now, they, they tend to have very spiky. Stems, So they're the type of plant that you just want to be careful if you have young children or whatever, where you, where you plant it. But you, so you can get outdoor varieties of yucca, but this sounds like the indoor. And um, you do take a risk if you put it outdoors. Or alternatively, you could put it out for the summer. And bring Did it in. Bring it in, yep. in, in at this time of year. Keep it frost free. As long as it kept frost free, it'll be fine. Or indeed, put it out and wrap it with fleece in the winter. So there are a couple of options. options yeah. yeah, that's an why option. Why not try it? We'll you try mentioned
0: cord line there as well. Uh, Breach has a cordline with brown mm. leaves and cut it back. Uh, should you cut it back now? Oh, it is cut back. The base is bare. Will it grow back? They might have cut it quite a bit.
1: Well, the thing to do with cord lines um, at this time of year is to take off all the brown leaves. Cord lines produce their leaves from the centre, they push the older leaves out, they go yellow, they go brown, and the older leaves then kind of drop down. And this, this is the time of year to get out your standing knife and take off all all those brown leaves off the plant so you're just leaving a cluster of green leaves at the very top of the cord line. so you're tidying it up and that again produces the, the central stem so I guess that's probably what they've done Cordline is the type of plant anywhere you might remember in the frost they were killed to ground level and they have all back, re- they're back up yeah, again multi-stemmed yeah. better than ever yeah. so they're a real tough resilient plant so I wouldn't worry too much about it but to certainly tidy them up at this time of year that's another job that could be done
0: okay here's a new one now for me anyway and apologies in advance if I mispronounce this uh, somebody has a bromeliad guzmania
1: yeah lovely plant Northern what is
0: a bromeliad? Grossmania for those of us who well, don't know.
1: It's it's an indoor plant, and bromeliads are, are the um, they're a collection of, of plants that they're epiphytes, which mean they grow generally in the rainforest, and they grow up in the to- top end of the trees. So, oh, right, big red, big yes, big, big flower. Red, well, they have a kind the, of a red, red red leaves red leaves, and they tend to have a, a center that you put that collects water. Oh. So they have a rosette of leaves right in the centre, and that in in in, the, in in the tropical forests, that's how they they get water. Wildlife often will will live in the actual little well that they create, and um, so they're a rosette plant, a very very easy plant to grow. Again, they're the type of plant that people tend to kill by overwatering, and um, but they're all they require is a good sunny location and keep the central ro uh, cluster. Topped up with fresh water, maybe every two weeks. What's the question?
0: Uh, Oh, I beg your pardon. (laughs) Uh, They've had it since May, they've repotted it. It seems to have two small shoots. Two to the side. Yeah. Can you advise on how we deal with these? And that would be
1: typical of all bromeliads. Another good plant, another bromeliad is a plant called the urn plant, which produces a pink flower, kind of grey foliage. And again, it does exactly the same thing. It produces its babies or its young right at the base as little offshoots. And that's what it's happening here with the Guzmania. It's producing two little offshoots. They can be propagated. Mm-hmm. So get, a, again, a sharp blade, cut the follow that little offset right down to the main stem, cut it off and replant it in a pot of compost with perlite mixed through it, a nice gritty mixture and start it off as a young plant. What you tend to find, the the mother plant, the older plant, in time will die away as it produces a number of offshoots and particularly if you take them off the plant, the the centre part of the plant dies away and that's how it regenerates itself. So take those little offsets off, pot them into a, a pot of compost now with plenty of perlite mixed through them and nice gritty mixture Bright sunny window sill. They'll root in a couple of weeks, and you get yourself two new bromeliads.
0: Excellent. Um, amaryllis bulb. We're going. Right. We're going very fancy we're now this morning. Indoor, yeah, yeah, we are. Um, well, I suppose maybe that's the time of the year. Um, but an amaryllis bulb yeah. planted two weeks ago. Since uh, it's got a nice green bud and leaves are showing. And the listener would like to know: Do they need to bring it into light now or later?
1: Okay, I hope we can take credit for that. We we were advising. We did
0: talk about that. Yes. Yeah.
1: We we're about to we so amaryllis to explain to, to listener what it is. It's, it's It's a bulb that looks like a turnip, like a small turnip, but it produces fantastic flowers that are nearly the size of a saucer, four flowers per stem. This is the time of year you plant them up, and they make a great gift at Christmas time, or they're great even for children to plant up in the classroom. But what they need, once you've planted them, you plant them in a a relatively small pot, give them a good watering, put them in a dark location for about 10 days to two weeks, and once you see the shoot beginning to form, as it is on this one, then you bring it into full light. So that's a sign that the plant, the bulb has kicked into growth, it's producing new roots, and now it needs some sunlight. So just bring it to a bright location. Um, you might need to turn it every couple of days because it'll tend to go out to the light. Right. The stem will start to grow. So every couple of days, just keep rotating the stem. But it'll grow to about 2 feet, 18 inches maybe in height, and uh, it'll produce those fantastic flowers in about another four to five weeks. So just before Christmas, it'll be coming into bloom. It'll be lovely. And you can still plant them at this time as- of year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: A listener has picked a lovely crop of autumn bliss raspberries. Okay. Uh, now, do they need to cut them back and when are there, are there, are cut them back, when do they cut them back and are there other types they can plant? Sorry, of raspberries. Yes. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Autumn bliss is, is an autumn variety and as the listener said, that you, you take the fruit off them at this time of year. So autumn raspberries, once you collect the fruit, you prune them back to nothing. So you cut the whole stem, all the stems back Back to within two inches of soil level. Any dead stems, take them out. And the raspberries then respond to that next spring by growing fresh new growth and uh, obviously the fruit then again next autumn. There are summer varieties. So you've got varieties like Autumn Bliss, as the name suggests, is an autumn red variety. But you've got varieties like Malling Jewel, which again produces its its uh, raspberries in mid-summer, in June and July. Um, so they could be planted now. And that'll give you pickings from June, July and then you have the autumn bliss coming in in September, o- October. So they'd be ver- two very good. So look for Malling Jewelers It's a particular good variety of, of summer fruiting raspberry that can be planted at this time of year. And indeed, it's a great time anyway to plant all types of fruit. Strawberries, rhubarb, gooseberries. This is the time of year to put them into the soil.
0: Margaret has a wormer and she's wondering okay. how does she look after it for the winter?
1: Well, there's not a whole lot that needs to be done with it. I mean, you continue; to, you can continue to add uh, organic matter uh, yeah. to the wormer. The, the worms will continue to feed right through the, the uh, winter season. So you, you do nothing really any different than you've done all summer. You continue to add the... Um, the, the compostable material to the top of the wormer, the worms will move up the different layers over the winter season. So just leave it where it is and uh, continue to, to add organic matter to it.
0: So really a wormer is like a compost bin of
1: it, it? Well, that's, well it's like a, that's exactly what it yeah. is. And, and the worms work up through, the worms basically turn organic matter rather than bacteria. Well, bacteria is working as well within the wormery. Yeah. But the worms... Obviously, are are fantastic. At great at at, um, and generally, a lot of the worm wormeries have a little tap that you can take off some of the liquid as well. Now, you won't be using too much of that through the winter season, obviously, yeah. but you can certainly store it. You can take off the liquid, store it to use in, in March and April of next year. But the worms will actively continue to break down uh, solids over the uh, winter period. And during cold spells, they tend to go into the centre of the any, any anyway and protect themselves.
0: Oh, well, So there's nothing
1: really, just continue to do what you've done all summer.
0: Excellent. Now, somebody is wondering about the difference between green and copper beach, bare-rooted beech. They're wondering when did they plant it. What's the and the difference between the green and the copper, and which would be best?
1: Okay. Well. Um, okay. Well. But why? Why were the difference? So. A copper beech, I suppose, it's, it's, uh, people call it a copper beech, but it's actually, the, the two types are green beech, which have, has green foliage, mm-hmm. and purple beech, which is the colour of dillisk. It's that really deep purple, purple. colour. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the basic, tip, they're both as hardy. The green tends to be a little bit more vigorous, tends to grow a little bit faster. Now beech, by its nature as a hedge, is a slow-growing hedge, and it's a very easy hedge to maintain and totally frost hardy. And particularly for listeners living in rural parts of, of, of the West Coast. Beech, I think, is probably one of the best hedges to consider because it, it denotes the seasons. It, it, it At this time of year, it's beginning to change its colour. The leaves on both the green and the purple go a, a, a brown, coppery colour for the winter. So both look exactly the same for the winter season. But in the spring, in April then, as the new leaves start to emerge, they push off the older coppery leaves mm-hmm. and you get the either green or the purple. So if you add, want to add a bit of colour, colour to your garden the purple beech is probably a nicer certainly from a foliage colour it gives you that added splash of colour to the garden and looks really well up against a lawn or if you plant silver birch in front of it or whatever so a great way to get colour into the garden and because it's slightly less vigorous than the green it's very very easy to maintain both are very easy to maintain but it's, it's so so I would advocate You know, it's really down to colour choice.
0: Did you ever mix it? Would people ever mix
1: it? The answer is you can mix them, but what you tend to get is more dominance from the green. So if you plant them every second one, you'll end up with an 80% green hedge and 20% purple. So it tends to be better planted all in the one, one, if you wish. But there is no reason why, why not you can't, if you want, to, add a few purple. Just for variation uh, Just or for whatever. a bit of variety yeah. if you want there's absolutely no problem whatsoever but generally be- they're better planted as one unit um, and they tend to look better that way so it's really down to color choice more than anything else.
0: okay when, when, when
1: to plant them? yeah
0: we're Sorry. coming
1: into the Beirut, the Beirut season yes so once the leaves have gone crispy brown which will be about the first week of November you can start planting beech right through till March or April of next year.
0: Great. We're going to finish on a question in relation to the pack moss control oh, yeah. product that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. A listener has used it on their patio and it's worked great. Thanks very much. Is there any way to remove the dead moss? Don't want to power hose.
1: Yeah, and power hosing isn't a good idea on, on your patio anyway because you're going to be taking up the sand and, and grouse that's between have, the thing. Yeah. Um, if it's if it's a kind of a, a cobble lock kind of paving area, you can get a special brush. It's, a, it's like a wire brush on a long handle. And that will actually just, you just go along the grooves and just scoot uh, scoot it out. Or a good um, pack tends to kill the moss totally dead. It goes completely dead. So a good stiff yard brush will will remove a lot of it as well. Uh, But you can get a special uh, wire brush, long-handled wire brush, a patio brush, that will uh, just go along the grooves and just scoot it out. Perfect. You didn't try yours yet, did you? Uh,
0: well, okay. it's down, and I have to go and do uh, uh, an assessment of oh, it now <laughs> right. after the program.
1: So, so you can let us yeah, know.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think I think it's going well because I'd hear about it otherwise. Right. Okay. Uh, that's <laughs> it. I'm afraid, as far as we're concerned today. Don't forget to get the wild bird competition yeah, entries the, in. Yeah, the, the forms
1: are available on the yeah. on the website, which is gardens and, which is hawkins.ie. And remember the honey, the, the Westport honey that's available in the Garden Centre at the moment.
0: Uh, somebody asks, is it available in Roscommon? Well, I think. There's probably local honeys we Well, look
1: for local honey. Place. Yeah, that's,
0: I do know there's honey from Kilrooski in Roscommon. I had we'll, some the other day. So. Well,
1: make sure. That's the key thing because the natural honey is made from the natural flowers that are around us.
0: So anyway, keep an eye out in your own local area. Uh, that's it. Standby Michael Leary is up after the news uh, at 10, which is on the way next with Fiona McGarry. From me, until next week, good morning.